Uh, or they're trying the to make me be short, cross, you know, which isn't going to happen. The cross, let's stand um, together. This is kind of our, our call to the man, Lord's they're, Supper. They're ready to go. Man, I'm impressed. Um, but you think about why in the world, why in the world uh, is the celebration of the Lord's Supper so important? And, um, you know, and, and I think I mentioned this last time when we did... Obviously, you get baptized one time. Well, believer's baptism is one time. Now, there are many of you, many people I've known that got baptized as a child and didn't, wasn't for sure that it was believer's baptism, wasn't sure their understanding. Uh, some people just got baptized because all their friends got baptized. And so later in life, they get saved, and, and, are, and that's believer's baptism. So there's believer's baptism, that's an ordinance ordained by Christ for the local church, is baptism, which is really your confession of faith. And uh, just a, you know, a side note on that, um, and, and we haven't, I haven't, not we, I, I haven't done a great job uh, at fulfilling the scriptural demands about baptism, because baptism is supposed to protect the church and what what we mean by that is anybody that goes through the baptismal waters is confessing that they've been born again it's believers baptism and so one of my responsibilities is to make sure that that has happened in that person that's being baptized and and so in in our church uh, over the course of 25 years there may have been 200 people that I've baptized and then as we saw it didn't produce fruits didn't wasn't faithful to the assembling together of the believers didn't produce fruits of what saved people produce and so that's on me so baptism is is an ordinance that protects the church because that's why we as Baptists call it believer's baptism. Because the Bible says that. So you're not a member of the body until you go through the baptismal waters. The other is this table. Is uh, Robbie read the, the part that Paul, the, the description that Paul gave because Christ gave him a special revelation about the Lord's Supper. And uh, of course the gospel writers, Luke and Matthew, talk about the Lord, him instituting the Lord's Supper in the upper room. But uh, so Paul tells us about the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And and by the way, it's ordained by him. It's commanded. Uh, it is an imperative that the church does does this. Now we as a church uh, know you know in general, if you've been here a while, we do this every we try to do it every eight weeks. Uh, a little bit more than once a quarter. So in the course of a year, counting holidays, if we do one at Christmas and maybe an extra one at Easter. If we do it that way, you might celebrate it eight, seven or eight times in the course of a year. And that's very important because, though you can't see it because it's covered, this is, Jesus calls it a table of remembrance. And if you read what Peter says, Peter says he saw the need to repeat himself. He was writing, this is Second Peter, he says, I write to you again, but that's no problem because we forget, don't we? And we need to be reminded. And folks, that's true of me and you as believers. Um, it's not that we forget Jesus. It's 
not that we forget the church, but we forget the gift of salvation. You know, one of the verses we read out of Romans in our, as we started the service is that Christ, God is just, just, judicial word, is just, it's justice. He's just and the justifier of all those that have faith in Christ. Now think about the significance of that. That what Christ did enabled God the Father, who's holy and unapproachable by sinners, it made it just for Him to call us not guilty. Not because we are not guilty, but because of what Christ did. So Paul says that God is just and the justifier of all those who have faith in Christ Jesus. Amen? So He can look at us as if we've never sinned. That's what we have on the wall in there, justification. The definition, and it's a good definition, just as if I had never sinned. And that's a judicial word, how God looks at us because what Christ has done. So we need to remember, we need to remember the gift of salvation. So with your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I just want to read some Bible verses to you about the importance of, of the Lord's Supper and why, uh, you know, when it says examine yourselves, examine, make sure you, you don't do the elements in a flippant way. Uh, take serious, take an account of your life. Um, in the upper room, you know, when Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, He says, uh, pray in this way, Our Father who is heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. And here's our part. We're longing to see Him. Uh, thy kingdom come. What's the next one? Thy will be done. On earth, as it, Thy will be done. We... This is sobering because we have to examine our lives. We examine our obedience and our surrender in light of what He's done for us. And if you're like me, when you do this, it's, you find your own devotion is woefully short of what it should be because of His great love. With His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. You know, Christ died for the ungodly. Matter of fact, you read there in Romans, it says that Jesus even paid the sin debt for everybody God saved in the Old Covenant. He left them unpunished. So though He saved people by faith in the Old Testament, right, and they accepted God's provisions, they believed that an animal was a substitute being punished instead of them, they believed that. But that didn't deal with the punishment of their sin because only a man could be punished. So when Christ was punished, he paid the sin debt, not only of all who would believe, but all those in the Old Testament. That's when he punished their sin. Isn't that incredible? Think of the sin debt that Christ paid. Um, that, you think about that's one of the things when he prayed in the garden, let this cup pass from me. But, let, not my will, but, but yours. I'm in 1 Corinthians 1. It says, uh, Paul called by the will of God to the... Uh, to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth. And he, now, and this is true to this be to the church of 
the church of God at Red Lamb Baptist, whatever, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, set apart in Christ. So when you came to Christ by faith, you've been set apart in Him. Called to be saints, saints, uh, holy ones, righteous ones, set apart ones, called, this is all of us. So we've been sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So everybody that's ever been saved, every church that has ever existed, Paul's saying that believers have been sanctified in Christ Jesus and have been called to be saints together, right? So we, we do the work of Christ together. This is kind of a reference to when we know that Christ is the head of the church. We are the body of Christ and Christ is the head. We are together by the lordship of Christ. But he, he, look what he says further. He says... Uh, Verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and knowledge. Now, just a side note, you know, we're talking about spiritual gifts on Wednesday nights. He's mentioned that the church at Corinth was a very gifted church. And Paul deals with that in 1 Corinthians 12. But it's, an, but it's grace, you know, we... We've been lear learning on Wednesday nights that it's grace gifts. You know, they're grace. They're always couched in the word grace. The gifts that we get are grace, grace gifts. But they're, they're gifted, enriched. You're enriched in speech and in knowledge. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you, now look what's, as you wait for the apocalypsis apocalypsis in the Greek, as you wait for the revelation or the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here, what I want you to, here's another reason to do the Lord's Supper. So he's coming back. And then it says in verse 8, who will sustain you to the end? Now folks, let me tell you something. You know this to be true. I talk about it all the time. It's in the Bible dozens and dozens dozen of times, your salvation, it is your salvation because you are in Christ. But your salvation's eternal, your eternal salvation, or you might say your security, does not rest in you, does it? Who does it rest in? Christ. Because it, it says, that, I love that when I was reading, who will sustain you to the end? And then look at the next word, guiltless, guiltless guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, this is why we want to come to the table and remember the broken body and the shed blood because when, it, when all ends, if you die and meet Him, guiltless. If He comes back, if the rapture happens, guiltless. You're not guiltless, but you stand guiltless in Christ Jesus. Folks, so this is a table to remember what Christ did to set you free. Verse 9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship. Think about what God has done to save you. We're image bearers of Him. Uh, we have the great honor of bearing His image. Our men's breakfast, not men's breakfast, our men's eight wings went to Coach's Corner a few weeks ago, and I gave them, and I've used the word in here, the word, uh, I kind of said, here's kind of a word that to think about for 2024. It's, uh, it's the word, it's pneumaticon. You, you don't care about what, but it's pneumaticon. The word pneuma is the word spirit, and icon is the word image. So in the New Testament, usually when, when the Bible says spiritual, the spiritual man, spiritual leader, spiritual gift, it's the word spiritual that comes from the Greek word uh, pneumatic. Pneum, it's the word pneuma and icon. So it means that somebody that's been shaped by the Spirit of God. In that pneumaticon, you're shaped by the Spirit of God. Folks, Christ has done all that would needed to be done in order for us to be saved, born again, transformed. And we, our responsibility is to be shaped by the Spirit or by the presence of Jesus. So we're shaped by Christ, shaped by the Holy Spirit. And I just always examine myself, how am I based on what He's done for me? Am I, am I, been, am I an image bearer? Am I bearing His image? Have I been shaped by His Word or shaped by uh, His Spirit? The other part of that is we're, we do that. We want to be equipped. We want to bear His image because the Bible says that uh, we're to do His work, you know, that, we're being, that we are as Christians being equipped to do every good work. You know, uh, and again, I'm going way back now. I'm getting a little historical, not hysterical, but historical. Uh, you know, when I, when I was unsaved, and I still remember what it was like to be unsaved. Thank God, you know, I got saved at 16. But when I was in my, you know, I turned 16, and that's when I first started hearing the gospel. And uh, when I got under conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I'm talking about, and if you, many of you went and have gone through this, where, I mean, it was just, when I would go to church, it was a pew-gripping conviction. I mean, I, I just, the Spirit of God just was heavy on me. I mean, it, I dreaded the moments of invitation because the Spirit of God had come upon me and almost drive me to my knees to call me to repentance. But I, in my mind, you know what the devil would do? What he does? And you may be one of these people today in here. What, what did the devil put in my mind? Who, who would I be thinking about when, God, when God's Spirit was calling me to repentance? I'd be thinking about all the hypocrites I knew. I mean, I would be thinking about those that had, I would see them. I wasn't saved. Well, I was smoking dope, drinking booze, and acting like an idiot. But I was lost. But I would see people I'd smoke dope and drink beer with in the church. And they were, so the devil, you know, y'all call hypocrisy. So I would, the devil would use that to convince me that all this was a lie. Have you ever, can y'all shake it? You ever, some of you been there? Shake your head like this, even if it's going to help me out. You know what I'm saying? So this hypocrisy, and so you and I, this is where the Bible calls us stumbling blocks. You know, so the other part of us obeying Christ, 
being shaped into His image, being equipped to do His work, is when we do His work, our lives, though we're not perfect, our lives demonstrate what it means to be a believer. We actually live it. And uh, the, the Lord's Supper should draw us to think about where we are and, and the example that we ought to be setting to those who are around us, especially saved people, but also to lost people. You do something wrong, uh, lost people know it's wrong. Uh, and uh, when I got saved, it wasn't because they gave me the example. There's a lot of those, a lot of the youth in my youth group eventually became my youth group. They were stumbling blocks for me getting saved. A bunch of them were. But God's grace. So if you're here and you're doing that, you know, those people didn't, the people that are hypocrites didn't die for your sins. Christ did. And they are hypocrites if they are saved. One other passage I want you, well, two, but I want you to go to, uh, go to Hebrews real quick. Hebrews chapter We've got we to hurry up. Go to Hebrews chapter 12 real quick. I want to show you these verses. Uh, Hebrews 12. I love these verses about eternal security. I'm in Hebrews 12. Look at verse, I'll read verse 22. Well, let's put it in context. Verse 18 says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire, and darkness and gloom and a tempest. Talking about when the children of Israel got around, when Moses went on the mountain, Mount Sinai, to get the commandments, and God warned the Jews, don't come and don't get, don't come to the mountain and touch it. It's holy. This mountain's holy. And so there's lightning and fire and all kind of noises. And so he's referring to that. And the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken to them. It was so holy, the children of Israel said, please, please don't speak to us. Speak to Moses, but don't, don't deal with us. Deal with Moses, and Moses can deal with us. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it should be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. So that's not the Christian life, is it? Every time you sin, you shouldn't tremble with fear. You should be willing to repent and return. Because look what it says. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. Look, the heavenly Jerusalem and two, and, and two innumerable angels in festive gatherings. And to the assembly of the firstborn. Christ was speaking of salvation. Firstborn. Firstborn from the dead. You know, first fruit, firstborn. And to the assembly of the firstborn. Look what it says. That's us. By Christ. He saved. Who are enrolled in heaven. Now folks, Christ did the work and we've been enrolled in heaven. Now can I, is there any way that that Lamb's book of life is going to be erased. No. The heavenly Jerusalem and to innumerable angels and to the assembly of the firstborn who were enrolled in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. Isn't that awesome? This, this salvation that we celebrate is a salvation that is secure. Jesus said, another illustration of this is in, in John 6. He's 
speaking from the, comparing his gift of salvation to the bread and he, the bread of the heavenly bread, the manna that he provided for the Israelites. And, and basically, he argues that I am the bread that came down out of heaven, not as your fathers ate. But if you, I, and he's talking about I'm the bread of life. I'm I'm your existence. So if we want to live the way God wants us to live, the the spiritual sustenance is not found in man. Spiritual sustenance. It's not found in man. Who's it found in? Christ. He says, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have life. So folks, if we think about surrender to the substitutionary death of Christ and that sacrifice that covered our sins. That's what we need to focus on and that will drive us to repentance and to obedience. Amen? Let's pray and ask God to bless our moments together now at the Lord's Supper. Lord, thank you for the gift of salvation. Lord, thank you for the new covenant in the blood of Christ. Oh, God, forgive us. God, I, I, I too feel like Paul who said of himself that he was the chief of sinners. God, help us. Lead us by your Spirit to repentance. Help us to pursue the image of Christ, obedience to Christ. Lord, thank you for the table of remembrance. In Jesus' name, amen. Our men are going to come forward and we're going to serve you now. We're going to pass out the bread first and the cup second. Hold the bread and we'll do both elements. We'll do both elements together. Where does the third one go? You serve. Thank you, guys. Oh, here's another one. I'm sorry. Thank you. They may need your help passing the plates if you can help them.
you guys. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you guys. By the way, while they're passing that, something related to this is uh, on the Thursday before Palm Sunday, uh, we have the Jews for Jesus coming to do a Passover. Uh, they won't do the entire Passover. They'll be teaching it in here. But on that Thursday night, for, it's in the bulletin. I've skipped the date. It escaped me. But So the Thursday night in March before uh, Palm Sunday, they'll be doing a Passover, uh, showing us the Passover from a Jewish perspective. Really, we've done this before. We've done the meal, but this will be just a lesson. Uh, and he'll have a sample of it up here. Remember the time we did the whole meal? I mean, it was a, it was a do. It was a big deal. Every table had all the had all the festive things from the Passover on it. We're not doing that, but he will be teaching on it. You know, think of. Uh, the leaven, you know, it's unleavened bread. And leaven was a picture of sin in the Old Testament. And, uh, you know, we know that the Bible says a little, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And when they were making leavened bread, they would take, they'd make a, a loaf of leavened bread and then they'd take a little piece of it and put it in another pile of dough. And that leaven would let, and that's what happens to us sometimes when we get around, deal with, we live in sin or around doing things we ought not do. It takes a little leaven to leaven the whole lump. Uh, let's do the bread first. A little leaven. It doesn't take much, does it? It doesn't take much for me to act like an idiot. I don't know about you. Go ahead and be seated when you take your cup. Thank you guys for doing that for me. This is uh, such a precious thing for the men to be able to do this. Thank you. Let's stand together, please. Jesus says, this is in John 6. He said, For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Folks, for us as believers, the, the life, the perfect incarnate life of Christ, God becoming man, His life, and what the apostles wrote about that, and the literal substitutionary death his death for mine. That's all we need for our salvation and to live the Christian life. 
You know, it's by faith alone, in Christ alone, right? Through Scripture alone. That's how we trust and live the Christian life. On the night Jesus was betrayed, He took some of that unleavened bread, (laughs) and after 1,500 years of Jews celebrating the Passover, He's now going to change things for believers. He takes that piece of bread, and He said, This is my body which is broken for you. Then he takes that cup. It's called the cup of blessing. It's what Paul calls it. And there's four cups, but if it was the cup of blessing, which it was, it was the third cup. So there's another cup on, on that haven't that did Christ didn't get to the fourth cup, but it says that he's gonna drink that with us when we all get to heaven. <laughs> At the marriage supper of the Lamb, we'll all celebrate and he'll lead us symbolically with a fourth cup. That's incredible. This is a new covenant, not based on the law, but based on the blood. He said, this is the blood shed for you. Sing with me. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to He saved my soul. He saved my soul. Sing. He saved my soul. He saved my soul. He's so good to me. You can be dismissed. We'll take a two-minute break and come back and do two minutes of business.